Hey everyone, if you've been enjoying our podcast, just a quick shout out, tell a friend, tell a friend about us. We are on Instagram at WeHeartMomJokes. I make fun of myself. I find that the most comfortable place to be. Not that I'm putting myself down, but I'm awkward in most situations. So I find that if I'm going to, if I'm connecting with the audience, um, I'm very vulnerable on stage. I don't see that as uh, a weakness because usually everywhere else in my life, I'm very closed. Do you know, I feel like sometimes I, I don't understand how I feel brave enough to go up in front of a room full of strangers and tell them jokes, but I'll feel too nervous to talk to the comics backstage. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. Welcome to We Heart Mom Jokes. I am Lalita. I'm the queer single mom by choice of a 14 year old. And I'm Smita. I'm a married mom of choice of two kids <laughs> and, I, and I met Lalita doing stand-up. And when the pandemic first started, we were wondering, are other parents finding it as difficult as we do? And so we decided to create this podcast and talk to people that we love talking to, other comics. I'm so excited. We, we have with us today, Srilata Rajamani. She is a New York City-based comic. She's of course also a mom. It's gonna get cool. So as usual, we'll start with a clip. I'm not an anchor baby. I'm what is known as a life raft baby. <laughs> I was ejected from the mothership floating in the open sea with the tiger as my only companion. <laughs> I was at a cafe recently. There was one barista there, a nice young man named James. He was wearing Tibetan prayer beads. So you know, my kind of white. <laughs> Yeah. He asked me for my name and I told him my name is George. And I went to pick up my drink and James had written me down as Jorge. <laughs> Jorge the Brown George. <laughs> that was simultaneously the nicest and the most woke racist thing ever. Third language. The first was Tamil, and then there was parental disappointment. <laughs> and I'm a socially awkward person. For the longest time, I used to think YOLO was low fat yogurt. <laughs> I have very cool friends who say cool things like, Yes, Queen Slay! I have a lot of white lady friends. <laughs> When I say that, it sounds like I'm paying homage to my colonial overlord of England. <laughs> Welcome, Srilata. Hey, thank you, Smita, and thank you, Lalita. So first, I think for, we have to comment a bit on the visuals that we see here. You've got all these posters behind you. Are they of BTS? Yes, yes, Lalita. Okay, so I've been a BTS fan since like 2013. So now that everyone knows BTS, I'm just like, I don't have to explain anymore. You know, that feels great. They have been the best for several years before Americans thought they were good. So I'm just going to leave it at that. It's like the hipster thing, right? You knew them before they were big. Absolutely. I'm pretentious AF when it comes to BTS. I feel like this is what privilege feels like. I'm on board. Like being an older fan of BTS privilege is amazing. <laughs> I feel that way about yoga. I started doing yoga in 1983 
And so when people ask me how I got interested in India and things like that, I always say, well, through yoga, before yoga was yoga, I feel I have to. <laughs> no Lululemon. So yeah, I totally hear you. We, we were the OG fans of what now has become a common commodity. I'm with you. So, okay. So we've got, we've got BTS. Fantastic. What should we start talking about? I want to hear why you moved from Boston to New York City. Oh, yeah. My daughter studied at NYU and I would visit her a lot. Uh, I had started doing comedy around five years ago mm -hmm. in Boston. And that when she started at NYU, I would visit her a lot just to do mics and stuff in New York City. And I could stay in that dorm for free. Like I spent a lot of money for yeah. that dorm, but it feels, you know, there's an accommodation, take advantage of it. So mm -hmm. I figured, you know, I, this is the time for me to like, see what I can do. I'm, which oh. was the worst time. Daughter had graduated, gone uh, abroad. So I was like, yeah, now is my time to spread my wings. Okay. Meanwhile, the pandemic was like, wait on, I have a different idea. So Great that happened. <laughs> now I have hopes and you know, I want to get better, but I am also not like, Hey, in two years, I want to be on TV because I'm extremely, I guess, realistic about myself. So Gearded is bigger. And I figured, you know, I, I can, I can experience that and learn and, you know, try to get better. But of course, you know, pandemic happened. And after that, I was, a lot of people were moving out of the city. And meanwhile, I was like, I just came in here, signed a year long lease. I can't move out anywhere. I can't afford to. I'm here now. It's good. Like I've done a lot of online stuff and I've only now, I think it's been a week since I actively went outside doing mics and shows. It's been exactly one week. So I am. You know, I am excited about going back a lot, intimidated. It has changed doing everything. You know, you have to start all over again because the scene has changed so much. Like many places have closed. So there's just a lot of big changes, which means I have to start again from the process, you know, from step one. I'm, I'm excited always about doing comedy. So if this is going to give me more motivation, sure, I'll take that. So I was in a uh, humble brag. Uh, I was in New York City last weekend because I um, was honored to be on stage with Zarna Garg at Caroline's on Broadway. Woo! That is the correct response. Uh, and although in that show, I was the only white person, I then went and did a couple of mics and it felt very dominated by men. I mean, definitely by men, very few women. So I, I appreciate that it's not as limited as Boston, but I was a little disappointed, Shreda, to be honest. So I specifically look for mics that are run by women and LGBT people, okay. because you definitely find a more like a greater you know, variety. But at the same time, I also go to mics that are um, run by people that I know and I trust, because oftentimes that can be very, very uh, toxic. I've I've been to some of those when I when I was new here and I would come out feeling like I, I just want to cry because even if I wasn't getting, you know, attacked personally, some of the things that were stated could really be extremely hurtful. What are some of those experiences that, you know, that made it difficult to be at a mic where you didn't feel represented or you didn't feel diversity? I often don't feel represented being who I am, you know, middle-aged queer woman who is just like, 
you know, who doesn't, who's still trying to figure out who she is. I often don't feel represented. So I'm okay with that element of discomfort. For me, what matters more is what is being stated. Like I know a lot of the times comedians go up and they use exaggerations. You can know, you know when something is coming from a place of truth. You can right. feel that, right? So when that happens, and when I hear statements um, that are extremely like, you know, um, like phobic in general, like re regarding race or sexual orientation, regarding gender, and it is couched as jokes, but you can feel that meanness because you always can feel the meanness, even yeah. if it is, but, yeah. and when that happens, you can't be your best self. So when those things happen, I just start, you know, internally shutting down and then I can't be my best self. And that is not a useful exercise for me, which is why I avoid those mics, which is, which is why I'm just like, not that I'm better than them at all. That's not the thing. It is just that I'm trying to protect myself and then I'm trying to be the best I can be. I hear you so much. And I think perhaps for the, for the listeners, because most of our audience are not comedians. So there's this concept of punching up and punching down and basically punching up is to uh, make fun of groups of society that um, are statistically more privileged than you and don't punch down. So people that have less privilege than you are more marginalized by society, however you want to define that. To me, I, you know, don't make fun of them. When I was in New York, I heard a cis a gay man make fun of trans women and it's like why you have so many other people to make fun of why do you have to look at people that no matter how hard your life is there their lives are more restricted legally by the opinions of society and but people laugh you know what some of my comedy teachers have said don't go for the easy laughs. We all know what makes people laugh. It's not hard. We learn that in a playground. Try and be a little smarter and punch up. Don't punch down. Mm -hmm. Punch up. Don't punch down. Yeah. So I was wondering what would your daughter have been feeling when you went to visit her in her dorm? And then you're like, bye, mommy has to go for open mics and, you know, hit the bars. Yeah. And quickly, oh God, quickly, oh God. I, just, I just want to interject because that was a thought I had earlier. Here's a little bit of good advice. Send your child to NYU because then you'll have free accommodation. False economy, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Okay, what was it like for your daughter, Sri Lanka? I don't know I haven't talked to her about it. You usually I would go and I would spend at least like half a day like putting things away and then cleaning their common toilet. Like really, that's what I used to do because there's no way I want my butt to sit on something that can give me, like a, like if I want to get STD, can it happen the old fashioned way? That's like long distance uh, cleaning lady service. <laughs> Basically that's it. Yeah, but she was super nice about it. Not that she was there around much. She was super, she was busy all the time. She, she also studied in China. So it wasn't like I was there a lot. So when she went to China, you, you lost your free accommodation. Is that so? Okay. Absolutely. Plus, apparently they had a cleaner who would come once a week to clean. So I'm just like, dude, I want to study in NYU China now so people can take care of my room for me, you know? What's the open mic scene like at NYU China? I have no idea. <laughs> I um, It's in Shanghai. So I'm assuming that there is like a more active scene because it's more cosmopolitan. I... Yeah. Yeah, I've done comedy there, but not because of like NY, not that in that area, but I've been there 
for work a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So I did comedy that at Shanghai Comedy wow. Club. But the comedy scene is very interesting. It is more international. Mm -hmm. We have jokes related to us, where we are living and our environment. So yeah. that changes over there because our environment is not what they can directly relate to. So yeah. jokes can change, but also because it's so cosmopolitan, people around the world over there in Shanghai. So it is very interesting. I'm visiting my family in the Netherlands next month and I want to do some comedy there, but I don't, I couldn't do comedy in Dutch. Like I just not my language, although it's my first language, that's not my language of comedy. Mm -hmm. And also I just don't think the jokes are going to land. Like, I don't know. I mean, I make fun of the Dutch quite a lot and I'm not sure they're going to enjoy that. So I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how that works out. But you did a comedy in Hong Kong, right, Smitha? What was that like? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that Sri Lata's talking about was there, which is you have people from all over the world. So you can't be like making fun of a specific community or a specific city. So you just kind of have to keep it really, I don't know, at a high level or a low level. I don't know what you call it, like something that anybody in humanity could connect with. Um, also, I started doing stand up in Hong Kong. So the things that I reached for were like the things that were easiest for me to like see. I made a lot of fun of like Indian culture, like observational stuff about Indian life and, you know, and now when I look back on it, I was like, wow, I, I don't want to go back to that because it feels like, I don't know, it just feels strange to be like, oh, these people are this way and those people are that way. I don't know. Does that make any sense? It does. I hear you. I hear you. And perhaps you're more worried about stereotyping. Yes. Whereas with me, it's more um, um, debunking mythology. Like the Dutch have really good PR in terms of being, you know, always seen as very liberal, very progressive. And then there's this underlayer that's not like that at all. And that's what I get to uh, in my comedy. So I talk a lot about, you know, the colonial past. And I think those are important topics. How do you feel, Sri Lata? I make fun of myself. I find that the most comfortable place to be. Not that I'm putting myself down, but I'm awkward in most situations. So I find that if I'm going to have to, you know, if I'm connecting with the audience, um, I'm very vulnerable on stage. I don't see that as uh, a weakness because usually everywhere else in my life, I'm very closed. Like even at work, you have to be very professional. You have to keep a distance from certain things. Um, so on stage, I just basically, I'm always speaking the truth about myself. And in a way it is really freeing. I love to say my favorite place in the world is on stage with a mic because you can just say what you want and be yourself or project the self that you want to project, right? Yeah, the kind of self you wish you could be like the other 99% of the time sometimes, you know? Yeah. So. I really yeah. hear you though on having to like have one identity at work and then one in, in our stand-up life. And I like I also try very hard to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone does, right? Probably because of stand-up, I'm a lot more open with my daughter now. Even if she is like, I don't know how she, whether or not she is on board, but I've become way more open over the past few years. Mm. I'm curious that you're distinguishing work and comedy. I understand that there's a place that pays most of the bills, but for me, it's all work. It's just, and I, I love both, but I, I definitely see myself as having two jobs. One takes care of health insurance more efficiently than the other, um, but I take them both very seriously. You know what I want to say? Like when people at work find out that you do stand up, they expect you to be funny or they like kind of, I feel like they keep pointing at it and like, 
like digging into it in a way that makes me uncomfortable because I don't always want to be funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I work in tech support, so it makes it a lot harder to be funny in that field. Yeah. Um, but sometimes uh, what happens though is during like meetings, that kind of peaks in sometimes. Like even if I'm trying to not be funny, it's like you must put that in there because it, 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 it has to be. There is this compulsion, which is where the comedy you know, part interferes or it, it is like this intersection of the two separate parts of my life. And, you know, so when, when I'm going out and that's why my YouTube stuff is always private. I don't want to put anything of mine that is in public because I also interact with a lot of customers at different levels. That's why I try to keep both separate. But as far as you're asking if it is like work, yeah, for me, comedy is also work. Once I finish work, I start, I, you know, I, I actually like go to like every day I try to do like a mic. If I'm not having a show, I am like writing stuff every day. I'm listening to people like, you know, I'm listening to comics, like what they are doing. I am trying to get new skills. Like I'm trying now to learn video stuff. And that is, that has got to be work. I sleep like five hours a day usually because that is like all the time I get, you know. But I have this beef that any other interest you have outside work, people don't expect you to be good. So if I said I play golf, no one's going to be like, are you good at golf? You know, but comedy, they expect you to be funny and good, which I feel is a lot of. But that's partially because I don't think of it as a hobby. I think that's true with a hobby. You're just doing it for fun. But I don't do comedy for fun. I mean, of course, it's fun, but I take it very seriously as well. I mean, it's 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 my second job. And yes, I have to be good at it because otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. There are people who think, oh, you have a job that pays a bill. So, you know, comedy, you know, you're not a real comedian if you're not. But that's not true. I am extremely passionate. I'm very like my ambitions may not be TV in two years, but my ambition is to be like so much better from where I was previously. Exactly. And I have to work. No, you're only as good as your last set, really. Yeah. So you have to work. Yeah. You know, another place where people never ask you if you're good parenting does anybody ever ask you if you're a good mom <laughs> no but i think like sometimes people will give you a look if they don't think you're being good you know like the judgy looks oh God, you know i lived in the bay area and the indian parents group are they are the scariest fellow parents would get textbooks from india mm -hmm. that were like at three or four grades higher than where their kid was to teach them after school work every day Meanwhile, I was basically like, ah, let's just go, you know, my daughter didn't even go to a competitive school. She went to a co-op school where the science project was like raising chickens, really. So that was great for her. I loved it, but we weren't necessarily fitting in. And I used to be scared of them. Smith is about to become that mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me all your tips. How do I go? Where do I buy these? Stay away from the chickens, Smith. Stay away from the chickens. <laughs> I moved out of the Bay Area because I was, I had to go uh, to the East Coast for work, but also I was a little bit relieved. Yeah, so like, I, like I started liking my daughter. I mean, I loved her, but I was able to relate more to her when she became an adult. So when she was graduating, I was like, hey, you know, I'm so excited Like you are now, you know, we, we, we can relate at a new level as friends. And then she moved to Japan. So you know what? Feel those causality. If I tell my son that I can relate to him now, is he going to move to Japan? I'm going to try that this evening. I'll report back. Parenting <laughs> tip. Parenting tip. Yes. Just try to tell them, you know, we are friends. They'd be like, oh my God, no. Oh. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm sure he would move to Japan in a heartbeat if if uh, if I let him. So um, he started summer camp today, and I was going to walk him to the bus stop, and he's like, "Why?" <laughs> like, well, because you know, first it's kind of a thing. He goes, "I know the way." I'm like, "Okay, fine. I, I don't have to walk." It is. It's it's a whole different universe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who wouldn't rather listen to music than somebody going, now make sure you don't forget your towel, make sure you eat your lunch, you know, don't lose your this. I don't know. I bore myself. It's incredibly hard. I think people talk about coming out to your family. For me to come out, for me, I haven't come out to my parents at all, but to talk about that to my daughter was one of the hardest things for me because I was putting so much of that, you know, that you know what might happen thing on myself um that finally uh, when she i only talked to her about that stuff like when she graduated because in my head it was like what if i tell her when she's in college and she can't take the trauma and she is like you know leaving everything and going to some hippie commune or something like in my head my brain is putting all the possibilities yeah. so when i finally came out and talked to her um she was so cool about it so in a way i think you know i can sometimes be um underestimating what she is capable of taking on because I always see her as parents we always see them as you know kids like yeah. babies or kids or helpless people or yeah. people that you know we 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 do things for them that's how we see them as but yeah. later on when they are like oh yeah these people are like humans who are capable of handling stuff um, and and I was just I was stunned like things that my daughter does I'm like oh okay she is capable of doing things in a different country oh she opened her bank account wow how amazing like every one of those things that I'm thinking she's not ready for she did it and I had no role to play in any of that I did not raise her at all I am the worst parent so <laughs> it happened but it was not because of me well you know what I I would argue the opposite, which is if you're if you're doing a good job, they can do stuff for themselves, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's teaching yeah. a person to fish, right? That's but it's it's you're so you're so right. It's so hard to see them as I mean, I know of course rationally that he's that he's becoming his own person, but this it's just they're you're they're your baby. I mean, it's just very, very hard to let that go. Now you talked about coming out to your daughter as a queer person. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Okay, okay. And so you came out to her as queer um, when, after she finished college, because you were worried that she was going to ditch you and live on a chicken farm? Something, yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird. It's just, it's stupid. No, but I but know it's I not. It's not stupid. I get it. I mean, I've always been, you know, I, I was out before my son was born. So it's, um, it's, yeah. it's just what he knows. It is, and I, I am looking forward when he's a grown up uh, to have conversations with him about what that was like for him. Because um, I don't know whether he thinks, you know, I'm sure he realizes that most children have different home lives, but then children have so many different home lives. Um, but I don't know whether he thinks, I just have no idea how he thinks about it. And I'm certainly not going to find out in the next three years because, you know, I don't get that's too many words. There's definitely way more words than his quota of words for me. <laughs> oh, okay, so this next bit, we should edit it out if you don't want it, um, Sri Lata. But I was curious, like I was watching your stand up and you talk about asexuality. Is that something you talk about openly? I mean, I only guess... in the past, only in the past about year and maybe only in the past year or so. 
-huh. Like I started the beginning of last year mm -hmm. and then, you know, it shut down. So I was doing stuff online. I did one show where I actually talked about it. But mm -hmm. after that, I, um, it, it wasn't easy to come out, but it was also not easy to put those things as jokes because I had to like start thinking about like making that as a joke as well, because that yeah. is still a part of me. And yeah. I wanted to talk about it. So yeah. then I started writing from a place of absolute honesty. Yeah. And then when you are as a comic, you want to explain it in prob if it's 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 just it not, you know, it is not the easiest thing. So you want to make a joke out of it when there is a difficult situation, right? Yeah. So we are in inclined to think. So then I started thinking, so I thought, oh, how what does it mean? It basically means I am celibate. I don't like to have sex. How do I say that? Like there is nothing going on down there. How do I say that? Okay. And I had, you know, I had just the previous year come back from a vacation in Korea. So I started thinking, oh, so it's like the 38th parallel between North and South Korea. Like there's no man's land. And then there is dense vegetation, obviously. And then anyone who approaches it will be shot. So those were the three things I thought of. So that was how I got my first joke for being an ace. Um, and that was basically because of subtle curry girl traits. But then telling my daughter that she was basically like oh you know what I thought all parents were mom don't worry about it so it's like cool that's my second joke so uh so that's how it happened uh but to come to that point was hard work but when it did after talking to her I've been a lot freer about it but that I can talk about it freely is only because I first came out to my daughter so that is the one that kept me doing more of this otherwise my previous material was all about other stuff not related to my sexuality or lack thereof mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's so wonderful like you know in the course of this podcast we've met so many people who've just felt so much freer you know as they and it's like it's it's like parents right people who have a full day job and then kid child care or family care and then they still have this outlet to be free and it's so cool to see your story of how you also found a path and especially after coming out to your daughter so I was going to ask, since you've started becoming more active in comedy in New York City, do you feel like the scene is quite competitive? Do you feel encouraged or discouraged by seeing so many other people kind of jump on it? I feel encouraged um, as, as in, you know, that is like the more the people are, that is like greater diversity of voices and viewpoints, yeah. which makes it, you know, which makes it like more interesting. Yeah. Um, but I also feel discouraged sometimes because it is it's harder like the way you get booked sometimes is by like making small talk with a lot of people and being there and hanging out and I'm very awkward to do like I'm more comfortable virtually than in person like if we met in person I wouldn't be able to you know be as free as I am now no way yeah no don't worry I'd be ignoring you too because I'd be feeling nervous so we'd both just be quietly ignoring each other I think exactly exactly like the Indian <laughs> smile and just like yeah. oh yeah hi and this corner so I guess my sense of discouragement comes not from the number of people around but because of my own inability to like you know be this kind of person like this was like maybe about a month ago there was this uh, potluck brown comics potluck thing happening in Brooklyn and I was I went there and I had performed with people there in, the, in, in shows with those, some of those people, but they did not recognize me because when they saw me last time, my hair color was pink. 
So oh. basically it was pink because of BTS's album at that time, which was in pink. Um, and then they had a, then a pandemic happened and I hadn't gone back into like coloring my hair again. I thought you had pink hair. So my own people, how do you not recognize my face? You need to know my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I do find that harder. Um, also, I'm, I'm older than most of the, you know, comics. So, and I probably like, in terms of experience, I'm probably, you know, so there is a lot of, you know, ways in which I find it awkward to interact with people. Again, it's not them, it is me. I put all those barriers around me. So, um, and I find ways to not, you know, interact with people. I'll always find an excuse to be like, oh, they might think, you know, I'm being pushy. So I'm not going to, you know, I- do you know I feel like sometimes I, I don't understand how I feel brave enough to go up in front of a room full of strangers and tell them jokes but I'll feel too nervous to talk to the comics backstage yeah that's yeah. so true yeah and, and like, <laughs> like I have I know people who are like booking for shows and they would be and I and I asked a friend like you know hey how like how what is the way and and she was like oh yeah I generally send them my avails so I'm like how do you do that I feel it I feel awkward they were like no, my friend said she had been trying to do a show and she posted about it. And in within five minutes, she had about like 15 messages from male comics who are barely like who are new or starting out. We'd be like, men just send me messages, even if they have no material. Meanwhile, you have been doing this longer. You have funny stuff. Why aren't you sending it? Yeah. And like, how do I, this is like sliding into DMs thing for me. People talk about, this is my sliding into DM. How do I do that? It's so awkward. I, I, I know what you mean. It's funny seeing other people more confident. It um, is. It is. Yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. I guess the thing we always uh, like to end up with is like something positive. So what are you looking forward to as you re-enter the New York City comedy scene? Any big projects or things coming up? I want to learn how to do video editing because like my biggest love in the world is K-pop. Uh, K dramas, Asian dramas, these are my big things. And so I want to start doing something more on like more video based, not YouTube necessarily, maybe, but maybe Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I want to learn not just about video editing, but also how, you know, to make sure that you're respecting copyright and to make sure because a lot of this is going to be cultural music and con you know, content that doesn't belong to me based, where mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing my my I guess my perspective or something mm -hmm. and I also want to take a writing class on like satirical writing like I love writing but growing up in India my parents were like if you take literature you're going to be jobless so you can't do that and uh, that's like those are my two big plans for this year I guess yeah. so thank you for joining us today Srilata if we want to find you online where can we find you Hey, Instagram, Srilata Sauce. Got it. And yeah. Lalita, how about you? Lalita D Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. And if you've heard this podcast and you've laughed and you've enjoyed it, please, whatever platform you're on, give us a little rate and review. And as always, you can find our podcast, We Heart Mom Jokes, on Instagram at We Heart Mom Jokes. I totally forgot. I wanted to fangirl a tiny bit if you have two more minutes, which is that you open for Mike Kaplan. He's my favorite comic. He's amazing. He is so good. And uh, the thing about him is that, you know, when you hear his joke once, you laugh and then you can hear it again. Like if you heard his album, that's the thing with Mike Kaplan. Like you can, it is, it's like a gift that keeps giving. Like it's mm. the best. Yeah. And he's I such a good person. 
And I found out, found him by accident. I was at a local comedy club and he was the headliner and I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And he was like, jokes were like a machine gun. Like you were like trying to keep up with everything. It was so well written. Yeah. And you, can't, you, you, you think you have got all of the jokes and then you hear it again. You'd be like, oh my God, that is another thing I didn't get the first time. Like he is so smart, but so good. One of the nicest human beings in comedy. Yeah, I'm just going to put this out into the universe. I hope he comes to our podcast as a guest one day. Mike Kaplan, we we need you on We Heart Mom Jokes. We'll, we'll, we'll adjust the formats uh, in terms of uh, what we're talking about for you. Um, I also want to say there's this idea that when you're a comedian, you always have to come up with new material, which of course you do. You want to stay relevant and everything. But at the same time, the golden oldies, I mean, the ones that just always work. I think even people that have seen you before, I'm sure that there's Mike Kaplan jokes that you look forward to. Like you want to hear, you want to hear those jokes again and you're already excited because you know you're going to laugh again. And I compare it to music. Like no one is going to a BTS concert saying, God, I hope they're only going to do new material because I've heard these old songs way too many times, right? That's not how it works. We love we love golden oldies. I think it's uh, true for comedy as well as music. Sri Lata, thank you so much for joining us today. Yay. Bye, George. Bye, Sri Lata. Bye. Thank you, Sri Thank you, Lalita. See ya. Bye.